You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Well, hey, we are in our uh, new series called Let Us Pray. It comes from James 5.13, which we're going to read here in a moment. Um, but why would we talk about prayer? Why, why talk about prayer? Why don't, don't just the pastors pray? Don't just, don't just the people that are employed for ministry pray? Uh, no. <laughs> Short answer. And the reason that is is because the Bible says that we, the fivefold ministry, are meant to actually equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Equip the saints. So what we do here, the people that you see teaching and, you know, people are hired on staff at church, we're actually meant to equip you, to equip us to actually be the change in our city. Because, yes, do we have a lot of buildings? Yes. Do we see a lot of new people come into our buildings and get saved? Yes. Do we see lives transformed 100%? But what happens here is actually more of a training center than it is anything else. Yes, it's a hospital, but this is a training center because if you can go be mobilized into your community, if you can go be mobilized into your job, if you can go be mobilized into your school, into every part of your life, we can have a lot more impact on this city than, than just if we bring people here. And so we want to train, we want to equip. And that was one of the first things I realized was part of equipping, part of learning how to be a believer who does the will of the Father, which is all of our responsibility, was learning how to pray. John Wesley said, nothing on earth happens from heaven that does not start with prayer. And so if we want heaven to come to earth, which I, I think we want heaven to come to earth, we have to be willing to say, how do I pray? How do we pray? And so that's what we're going to be leaning into over this next few weeks. And, uh, and, and this is the scripture that Pastor Jurgen really felt for, uh, for this. And prayer in Hebrew actually means, uh, or it's tefillah is, is the name. And so there's not just one thing that prayer is. It's not just like, oh, it's just like what we do here at Book of Miracles. It's not just what we do on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. There's a variety of things that prayer is. And so James 5, 13 to 18 addresses those. So let's, let's look at that. Uh, it, says, it starts with this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. Not let him go and grab somebody. No, let him pray. Because we want you to be able to pray for yourself. Because sometimes it's the middle of the night and you got a baby, you know, who's crying. And you got a wife who's throwing up all over the place. My wife got food poisoning over the weekend. And then, uh, and then you cut yourself trying to make ice. Because that's what good husband, they make ice out of, you know, blocks of ice. And they try and chip it with a Cutco knife. And then you're bleeding everywhere. And sometimes... <laughs> two nights ago, while I'm trying to prepare this message. And sometimes you don't, you don't have time to call somebody else. Sometimes you just got to stand in some authority and know how to pray because coincidences often are not, and I don't like to blame the devil for everything, but when, you know, when it's back to back like that, I'm like, come on, you just revealed your hand. And uh, so I took some communion, I took some authority, but I had to pray. I was suffering, didn't lose my hand, thank God. But uh, I prayed because I learned how to pray for myself. Uh, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. See, singing psalms is actually a form of prayer. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. See, it is good to have other people pray with you as well. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Great added bonus. Um, probably even better than being healed. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for another that you may be healed. We get forgiven from God. But when we confess our trespass and get healing from others, which is what we do at men's and women's prayer, you get healed. It's a good thing to be healed. You can be your best self. You can be all that God wants you to be if you are healed, which is why he says you got to do this thing in community. Uh, the effective, and this is a big one, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. 
So there, how many want availing prayers? Like prayers that avail, availing, they work, right? I want, I want prayers to work. Probably nothing more frustrating than prayers that aren't working. And I'm sure we've all been there at some point, but I find this is a nice formula. Be effective, so there's a way to be ineffective when I pray. Fervent, fervent meaning consistent, meaning persevering. Jesus tells the story of the widow who's knocking, 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 ask, seek, right? Continue knocking, be persevering, be fervently praying. Um, of a righteous person. So the good news is we're all in, if we're in Christ, we have the righteousness of God attributed to us because of Christ Jesus. And, uh, and that's a good thing because it helps our prayers avail. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced it fruit. See, there's a lot of different types of prayer. Prayers that shut up heaven, prayers that open heaven, prayers that see the sick healed, prayers that see people forgiven, prayers that see us healed internally, prayers that rejoice and sing praise and thanks to God. And they're all prayer. They're all prayer. And and so that's kind of the framework we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. But uh, my experience growing up with prayer was a little bit different than, than what I read here. Uh, I grew up Catholic and Jewish, so already way all over the map when it comes to any kind of upbringing of, of you know, steadiness and all kinds. So it was, it, was, it was very confusing. But I remember, I remember seeing prayer in both circumstances. I remember walking into Catholic Mass on Sundays, and, uh, you know, it was like everyone had been given a script on the way in, and they just forgot to give me one. And everyone would, you know, rehearse things and they would say things. And it was like, wow, we're all, everyone's very much on the same page, but I don't know what they're saying. Like, I didn't get these words on the way in. And so there was a one-way communication that seemed very rehearsed. And it seems like there was, there was, you know, there was a script. And, uh, and so that was interesting. I was like, okay, well, obviously, you know, we, we talk to God, but I don't hear anything about God talking to us. I don't see any two-way communication here. And then I go into Jewish synagogue. Uh, I go to Hebrew school. And and then, you know, just even go and pray in synagogue, I've got to go learn a whole new language. (laughs) I can't can't even pray in English. I got to learn Hebrew. And uh, and so thankfully they had the, you know, when I was learning, they had like the English, you know, hooked on phonics version. And then they had the uh, actual Hebrew, which I did learn, but it just, it took longer. And once again, there were prayers for certain things, which was great. And they were, you know, within the Old Testament, there were different prayers for that. But once again, it was mostly just praying towards God. And there wasn't a lot of two-way communication. And so I was basically drilled this example into my head that theology of my my prayer theology was this is a one-way road. God does not talk back. There's no deviation from predetermined words. Absolutely no deviation. And these were motions we needed to go through in order to please God. And, and there was nothing miraculous that ever happened in any of those circumstances where I saw, wow, because we did blank, blank happened. It was just, this is just what we do. It's just part of the thing. It's just, and it just was what it was. But the problem was, and see, at the time I, I wasn't reading the New Testament um, because we don't do that. You don't do that in Catholic Mass. They read to you. And, uh, and I was already asleep by 30 minutes in when they started getting to it. But in synagogue, we read the Old Testament, and I went to Hebrew school once a week. So I remember reading it, but I, I remember reading uh, stories of prophets and people in the Old and they would pray to God, and then God would respond. There was, a, there was this two-way road. There was this communication that was happening. There were miracles happening. There were all kinds of things happening. And so it contradicted what I saw because God there was God Almighty. He was the one who spoke, and things happened. He was the one that provided. He was the one that protected. He was, he was the Father. And then why is that not so now? Even in synagogue, even in Catholic, like, why, why does that, what happened? And, uh, and I found that there was nothing that happened. It was just what we forgot to teach. This is why teaching on prayer is so important. Because what do you call someone who doesn't know their father personally? 
called an orphan. Now, in modern-day society, we think of orphans as those who have lost both mother and father, but in Old Testament times, it was just if you lost a father because that was the protector and that was the provider. And so all of us, and the good news is, Psalm 68, 5 says that God is the father to the fatherless, which is all of us spiritually. Ever since Adam and Eve created the separation through sin of us and our relationship with our heavenly father, and then Jesus came back to restore that, reconcile that, redeem it, being fully God, fully man, laying down his life through the covenant, and then we all, and if everyone remembers Dr. Jim Garlow, if you didn't, if you weren't here for that message, that's, there's a whole other thing that you need to learn and go podcast that. Uh, it will help you. It's called the blood covenant. Uh, but it will help articulate what I just talked about in a very short amount of time. But the good news is we are reconciled to the Father. How many know that's good news? We are reconciled to the Father. And, and so we don't want to be spiritual orphans. The good news is we have, because of Jesus and what he did, that transaction has been made. We have moved from spiritual orphans into spiritual sons. And as soon as I was saved six years ago, when I came to this house, heard the gospel preach from being raised Jewish and Catholic, I realized, wow, Jesus already did this for me. He already took away all my, I just need to respond to him, invite him into my heart, make him Lord and Savior. And so I did that. So I became instantly a spiritual son, but it didn't mean I know how to live as a spiritual son. See, it was a spiritual son, but I was living as an orphan. And I think a lot of the church today, we, we need to learn and shift into, and thankfully we have, you know, things like men's and women's prayer where we can learn how to shift into being a spiritual son, but uh, we have to live it out. And uh, we see the story of, you know, in, in the New Testament of the prodigal son. And uh, that's much like all of our salvation stories in the sense that, you know, we were once with God and then, you know, we were separated by our own choosing, and then we came back. And when we came running back, you know, most of us, you know, came in a place where we're like, well, God, will just just make me like a servant. Just I, I, I've thrown away my life. I've ruined my life. But if you would just make me like a servant in your house, I know just being even a servant in heaven, just being a servant here would, would be remarkable. Um, but God, just like the father in the prodigal son story, says, no, 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 I want to make you who you've always been meant to be. I want to make you my son and with that comes divine privileges. With that comes royal um, privileges. And so for, in order for God, for God to make us into sons and daughters, we have to embrace what that means. Because identity, we want to be spiritual sons, we want to be spiritual daughters, but identity is not what we choose. Identity is, in the original language, it actually means repeated way of being. Repeated way of being. Meaning outside of salvation where Jesus did what he did and so we don't have to work for that or do anything like that. But in order for us to actually live out what being a spiritual son and daughter looks like, we have to have some new habits is basically what that saying. Because repeated way of being is what we do repeatedly. And that's habits. So what do I do day to day? What, what do spiritual sons and daughters do? They communicate with the father. They figure out what the father wants them to do. And then they go and do that because sons are about and daughters are about their father's business. And so in order for me to actually do what God wants me to do here on earth, I've got to connect with him. And how we do that is through prayer. And remember, nothing of significance, nothing from heaven happens here on earth without prayer. And so the title of this message is Make Me, Make Me. Because orphans say, make me, like, like they're threatening, you can't make me do this. And God says, yeah, I've given you free will, so I'm not going to make you. You have to choose to be made into a spiritual son or daughter. And so today we're going to say, hey, God, I want you to make me, make me into the man, make me into the woman you've called me to be because I know that there's destiny, there's purpose, there's life, there's fulfillment on the other side of that. And so these are the four habits that I really broke it down to um, from my experience and then obviously from scripture that, uh, that 
are the new habits that I had to implement, that I had to learn, that I had to integrate in order to become now the son that I am. And so the first one is to know him, to know him. Uh, after I almost lost my finger and my wife had finished, uh, you know, throwing up, uh, I was talking to her about my message and I was like, babe, like, cause I was, I was getting stuck. I was like, why do you think people don't? And this has always been, cause I, as soon as I got saved, I just did everything everybody told me to do. I didn't really ask a whole lot of questions. My life was so jacked up beforehand. I said, anything will be better than what I came from. So I learned a lot of the why behind the what's like pastor Katie was saying, but I learned them like not super early on because I didn't really care. I just said, I need a different way of living. And so I asked my wife, Hey babe, what, what do you think takes people a little bit longer in order to like really embrace a, a lifestyle of prayer in order to really have fervent, effective prayers. Like what, what is it that, and she said, you know, really simply, she's like, well, if you don't know the father, you don't know what he wills. And if you don't know what he wills, then it's hard to know what he's going to say yes and no to when we pray. And, uh, and I remember early on in my prayer life, I, you know, obviously didn't know anything about prayer, but I remember there were some prayers that got answered and then there were some that won't. And I just, I thought it was just like, you just hail Mary a bunch. And then, you know, God's like, all right, yes, that's going to be good for you. No, that's not gonna be good for you. And, and there wasn't really, you know, but obviously there's rhyme and reason because it's, it's God and he thought through this. Um, but we have to have the right understanding of who God is. We have to know his character. We have to know his nature. Um, John 4, 24 says this. It says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It says, it doesn't say, and those who worship him can choose to worship him in spirit and truth. You see, God loves us all equally, just like he loves us no matter what. There's nothing that separates us from his love. But if we want to love him, which is worshiping him, then we've got to do it his way. We've got to do it his way, not our way. And there's a lot of people out there who say, well, I want to love God like this. I want to love God like, well, I'm sorry. You can love God the way that he chooses to be loved because he's God. I didn't make the rules. He made them. But the beautiful thing is they're actually good for us. This truth is good for us. There's no my truth, your truth, their truth. It's his truth. It's his truth. And so there is a way to, to pray. And so and he has a certain will that he wants to see done. John 14, verse 6 through 14, this is Jesus talking about who the Father is and how to know the Father. And the beautiful thing is in the Gospels, Jesus basically just says, I came to reveal the Father. And that's what he says here. He said, he's, he's talking to his disciples, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Basically saying, hey, by the way, I'm the father, father's me. Um, everything you're seeing me do is actually the father's will. Just so you know, really clear, really easy. Anything I'm doing, the father says yes and amen. And then of course, Philip, one of the disciples wasn't paying attention, obviously, or maybe was, but was just a little slower, which is fine. I you know, find myself to be that way occasionally. He said, Lord, show us the father and it's sufficient for us. It's like, didn't I just tell you, you've already seen the father? Like, come on, pick this thing up. And, uh, and basically Jesus goes on to tell him, uh, I am the father. Let me make this really clear. Like I am, I am, I am representing his will here. So when you see me, you've seen him. And he goes on to basically say, just follow what I do. And, uh, and everything's going to be just fine. So the beautiful part about knowing God's will is when we start to understand it, we can see that he has a certain way that he wants us to pray. And Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, Hey, uh, you know, if you want to pray a certain way, follow this method. And a lot of people think, well, the Lord's Prayer, you should just pray that, and that's the only thing we pray. But it's actually more of a framework, more of a template, more of a blueprint than it is anything else. And it starts like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Our Father, meaning this is a communal effort. This is, this is teamwork. This is a group project. Christianity is a group project. You can't do this at home by yourself on live stream. Um, 
Um, speaking of choir, obviously y'all are here, but we can't do this by ourselves. So if you've been coming and if you've been going, if you've been leaving early, if you've been like, let me just encourage you, you can't do this by yourself. God's, a, God's divine plan for this is that we work all this out together, which is as our father, he's our protector, provider who art in heaven. He's above all. He's seated above every single circumstance, every situation, every difficulty you have. He's already in heaven and he's seated in a place of authority. Holy is your name. There is no other God but Jesus. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning there is a will that is mine. There is a will that is the Father's, and there is a will that is the world's. There is a will that is the devil's. And we want to enforce his kingdom, his will into the earth. Same thing with the kingdom. There is a kingdom here on earth that we're living in. You know, there is a you know, Nathan Fletcher's kingdom, at least what he thinks is established. But there's a higher kingdom. There's a higher kingdom that trumps every other kingdom. And so it's our job as believers to enforce the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. And if you're ever wondering what's the kingdom, well, the good news is it's in Isaiah 61, 1 verse 3. Because when you're praying that, and it is a temple to pray, so you should pray it over your life, you should pray it over your family, you should pray it over your city. When you're saying your kingdom come, your will be done, you should know what that looks like, and it, and it looks like this. Verse 1 says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and he's talking, this is Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, which is what Pastor Samuel was praying earlier, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So if you're wondering, what is the kingdom? What does God want? It's this. And if that's not happening in our city, if that's not happening in our family, if that's not happening in our state, guess what? I'm praying that that kingdom comes in San Diego. So if someone's got to get out of the way, and that name might be Nathan Fletcher, that name might be Governor Newsom, that name might be, I don't care. If you're not operating and enforcing that kingdom, well, I'm telling you what, Jesus is coming and he is enforcing his kingdom through his people. And so that's why we pray, because remember, nothing from heaven happens here on earth without prayer. So there's a, there's a lot of great strategies we can do here on earth, and we're going to exercise our faithful right to do that here. But until we attach prayer to it, which thankfully we do all the time, uh, nothing essential would happen. And so that's what the kingdom is. So when we're praying and we're wondering, how do we pray? What do we pray for? That's what we're doing. And then Jesus goes on in the rest of the, um, the, rest of the Lord's Prayer to, to talk through some different things and how we should pray. So I encourage you, look that up. It's Luke 11, verse 1 to 13. I really encourage you, make your devotional life, make that part of just reading through that and praying through it, not just those words, but adding your words into there as well. Uh, because Jesus came to establish the kingdom and handed that work off to continue through us. But we got to know God's will. Um, and that comes from a life devoted to, to studying it uh, so that our prayers will avail because having prayer that works is very uh, encouraging. Having prayer that doesn't work is very discouraging. So just do it that way. All right. Second habit. The first habit is know him. The second habit is know the new you. Know the new you. Because once we start to see a picture of who God really is, the truth, which is, you know, according to his word, we must begin to develop a clear picture of who we now are in light of our redeemed life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new, someone say new, creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
You see, when I got saved, I had to rewire how I saw myself because just like the prodigal son, I had basically taken, you know, 21, 22 years of my life and done it very much my own way. So when you do things your own way and not God's way, how many know that you can't break God's law? You can just break yourself against it. And uh, I broke myself continually in almost every area of life. I would say actually every area of life. And, uh, and that wound up in me just like the prodigal son in a pig's mess. Feeling both, you know, spiritually, physically, all those things like dirty, disgusting, in mud, all this stuff. And so when I came running back to the father, because like that's what happens when you say you're running to the father, he embraces you. And then you're like, I just I don't know how I could ever I'll just make me a servant. Just, and he's like, no, 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 I'm going to make you a son. But in order to do that, I'm going to hide all this stuff on a mask. And so he gives you a robe. He gave his son a robe, which would hide all the mess, which would hide all the disgust, which would hide all the. And so for me, I had to learn, okay, the father has actually put this robe of righteousness on me, but I've got to embrace it and see myself the way that he has. I'm no longer in a pit. I'm in a palace. I'm no longer headed towards a coffin. I'm headed towards a crown. And because how many know like King's kids walk around differently? So like, if you ever watch royal, you know, royalty, whether it's on TV, movies, anything, they walk a little bit different than common people. They walk with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more pep in their step, a little bit more like, what are you going to do? Because they know they've got the king's letter right behind them, and anything that king says goes. So I had to learn how to come from a place of insecurity and fear and rejection and all this stuff that I had because I lost my dad at nine years old, and then obviously I disrailed my life, and I had no evidence of fruit in my life until I came to this house. And so I had to learn, well, okay, well, God's righteousness is enough for me. I don't, I don't need to wait till I perform. I don't need to wait till I, you know, live a certain, I, I can actually just take the authority because praying fervent, effective prayers comes from a place of authority. Because if I know the king's word has my back, I can say it with the same authority that Jesus did when he came. Because the Bible says that God's word in his mouth is as powerful as it is in mine. And so I need to learn how to pray from a place of authority because until we see ourselves, because if you, you know, and I've heard this thing, like, we're all sinners, like, well, you were, you were, but then you were redeemed. You were bought with a high price. So you don't get to say that about yourself anymore. You're not dead bones. You're not disgusting. You're not a bunch of rags. You are a king's kid. And with a king's kid comes special privileges. And that's wearing a signet ring that says, Anything that I say goes in the name of the one who sent me. And so there's a certain authority you can walk around and begin to carry. And that's the kind of authority I'd exercise the other night because I realized, okay, you know, poison, you know, like food poisoning, maybe it was just a mistake. Almost cut my finger off within, you know, an hour while I'm prep. Okay, that's not, I'm going to enforce some authority now. Devil, you get off my life. You get off my house. You get off my family. You get out of my wife's stomach. I declare my baby's going to calm down in the name. I declare the blood of Jesus over my home. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Because you can pray, pray nice prayers until you need to step into authority. And you got to realize if you don't have that when you need it. Six years ago, I would have been, there, there are so many times up until now, I would have been stunned. I just wouldn't have known what to do. But the beautiful thing is we can actually enforce the kingdom, which is what we just talked about in Isaiah. We can enforce that in our homes. We can enforce that in our work. We can enforce that in everywhere we go because we have the king's authority to do so. An example of people who, you know, are kind of like believers but don't know their authority is uh, in the New Testament, there's, you know, there's a story about, I think it was like four or five believers, and they were, uh, you know, wanting to exercise authority in the name of Jesus to exercise a demon. 
uh, from, from this guy or from this woman. I can't remember which one it was. And so they're like, in the name of Jesus, you know, get out, all this stuff. And they're like, but they don't really know who they are. Meaning they're still identified with maybe their works are still identified, whatever it is, but they haven't really stepped into true authority and identified with it. And the demon starts talking back. Because if you don't, if you don't think, if you don't think the devil wants to like intimidate believers, I mean, he wants them to never pray in the name of Jesus or at least never mean it, or at least really not know what it means. And so these believers were praying, and then the devil, talk, you know, the demon's talking back. He's like, who the heck are you? He's like, I know Jesus. I know him. I'm going to run if, if he's here. Paul, I actually know him too. See, your name should be as famous in hell as it is in heaven. It didn't just say they knew the name of Jesus. It said they knew the name of Paul. It says they knew the name of Paul. It says they knew the name of Chris Sturge. It said they knew the name of Pastor Samuel of right? You want the demons to know your name. And so what happened was the, the, the demon literally just disrobed all of them, kicked their butts, and they went out running with the tail between their legs. Now, I'm not going to say it's never happened to me or I've never felt like, wow, I just got totally whooped on because I didn't know my, because it did. But I'm telling you now, I'm, it's different because I go to men's prayer every Tuesday. And I don't go just because I'm a pastor. I've been going for years before I was a pastor. And there's been times when I didn't go. And I could recognize the difference in my life because every single week I get confronted with the opportunity to exercise authority over my friends, over my city, over this church. And, uh, and so you got to know authority. And there is definitely, you know, there's definitely a difference. There's definitely a difference. So uh, the third habit, the third habit as we get here to a close is seek first the Father. Seek first the Father. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, actually modeled to us a life of devotion and pursuing the Father's will and aligning it with his own. Because he was fully man. It says even in the Garden of Gethsemane that he prayed, Father, if, you can, if this cup can pass for me, this suffering can pass for me, then let it be so. But if not, then let your will be done. Showing us that, hey, there's going to be times when you don't want to do what God's asking you to do. When obedience is painful. When letting go of old things, of things that are keeping you stuck. When that's painful and hard to do, but God's still showed us through Jesus that we can do it. Um, Luke 5, 16 said that he would often withdraw, Jesus would often withdraw into the wilderness and he would pray on his own. If we don't make a lifestyle of prayer of seeking the Father's will, our lives will start to reflect a lot more of the world than it will of the word. And that's a dangerous place to be as believers because we're meant to be the light, we're meant to be the salt, we're meant to be the... And for a lot of my life, I grew up and never saw that. And it wasn't until I came to Awaken Church that I saw, whoa, these guys, their lives are different. Their lives are different because how many know you can't spend time with Jesus and things not shift for your life? They can't not shift. And uh, I remember, you know, when I was probably a year or two saved and uh, I hadn't really fully developed this lifestyle of prayer. I think at the time I was probably, you know, when things were really good, uh, I'd stop praying. And when things were really bad, I'd start praying. And then it was this constant roller coaster. Maybe there's some of you here today. Uh, and I would challenge you, this is, this is what changed for me. I went up for prayer after a service just like this. And I really, you know, I just started a business. My life was kind of starting to, the Bible says that those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of God. So my life was starting to flourish, but I knew that I needed, you know, I thought I needed vision. I thought I needed to know like what, you know, was the future and all this stuff. So I went to Pastor Colin Higginbottom, had him pray for me, uh, who's up at the front. I'm like, oh, he's going to give me some vision. He's going to, you know, give me a word or not. He's going to tell me, you know, something really cool. And uh, I remember I came up to the front. He's like, Alex, he's like, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And he's like, don't focus on becoming the pastor. 
like the priest, because that's what I wanted. I wanted a priest and king. I wanted both. He said, don't focus on becoming the king. Don't worry about being the business guy. He said, focus on the one thing. Focus on becoming the man of God. You see, I wanted vision. I wanted results. I wanted fruit. But he was calling me to lay a foundation, a life that the devil couldn't tear me out of. Because when you plant yourself in a life of prayer, nothing can take you out. And, uh, and so we have to allow God to make us into that lifestyle. And from that moment on, um, you know, I'm not going to say it was perfect, but, you know, four or five, six days a week, I find myself waking up early. And it's not by accident. I discipline myself. It doesn't always feel good. It's not always like, whoa, I'm so excited. And it's not always like every single time I leave like, wow, I've totally heard today. I totally got a word just for today. It doesn't always happen like that. But the discipline is there so that whether I'm in hell or whether my life looks like heaven, I know that I can hear from heaven because there's nothing like going through a difficulty, a challenge, which we'll face here on earth if you can hear from heaven, if you can hear from heaven. And, uh, and there's this, you know, I remember hearing this, this kind of framework of learning how to discipline myself. And it was, uh, you know, this idea of desire, discipline, delight. If you desire something, I desired a life with God. I desired a life of flourishing. I desired a life where I heard from him, where I did his will. So I disciplined myself, which is not always easy and not always fun, but it's, 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 it's essential. And then I would delight in it. So now I actually enjoy getting up most of the days, whereas before it was like every day was rough. Um, but that would be the encouragement is to make that a habit. That third step, make it a habit. Fourth and final step is once filled, pour yourself out. It's hard to give away what you haven't first received, which is why step three is really important. A lot of us want to go and do great things for God. We want to be the next Billy Graham. We want to be the next Pastor Samuel, the next Pastor Colin, the next Dr. Matt, the next, all these things. But if we're not willing to get with God and fill and receive, and because if you, if you haven't received heaven, you can't give heaven. And so once we get to that place, though, it's not just about how can I just increase for myself? How can I just live for myself? It actually becomes how can I live for others? Because Jesus came and he said, this new commandment I give you, love the Lord God with all your might, heart, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, which is basically love God and love people. Step three is about loving God. Step four is about loving other people. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for ransom of many. That's what our lives should reflect. And once again, nothing happens here on earth of significance from heaven without prayer, without prayer. Jesus lived his life in a way that prioritized the infilling, but then in the dispensing too. And so it's in our times of prayer that we be, can begin to actually see heaven come in people's lives, see heaven come in others' lives. I mean, there's every great revival started with prayer. And so when I first started com coming to men's prayer, you know, it was progression of, I just received prayer, I just received prayer, I just received prayer. And then soon I started to learn my authority. I started to learn what God was saying about people. And so I started to pray and, and step into that. And I would prophesy and I would pray and I would just really just read the word of God over them. To a point when then, not only on Tuesdays could I pray, but I started to pray the other days of the week. Because if you're only praying one day a week, the rest of your week's gonna be real rough. <laughs> but I find if I can have a daily habit of praying, and I began not just praying for myself, my family, I began praying, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my family, in today's life, in Brielle, in our generations to come, in our finances, in our businesses, in our investments, in every part of our life, in our friendships and our pastors and our leaders, and Pastor Jurgen Lee, and Pastor Matt and Michaela, and Pastor Stacy, and Pastor Samuel and Katie, and Pastor Jesse and Kat, and our friendships, Father, extend, lengthen the cords of their tent. Father, expand their life. Father, we thank you that this neighborhood that we live in, all 66 units are saved, healed, delivered, empowered. Father, I thank you for an encounter 
of God with San Marcos, an encounter of God in San Diego. Holy Ghost, that you would pour out your spirit in this city, that you would see your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, we lay aside our wills. We lay aside what we wanna do today. Father, reveal to us what you wanna do today in and through our lives. Father, we thank you that the wicked will be uprooted in San Diego, that the wicked will be torn out of places of power, of places of influence, and Father, we thank you for the righteous to rise up in leadership, that you are calling, that you are challenging, that you are transforming, that you are healing, you're redeeming believers to step up and step into places of authority, leadership, and influence. Father, so that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in San Diego. And Father, we thank you for California, that you're not finished with California. We plan ourselves like in the field of lentils. This Shemad, and we say you cannot have this field because this is the Lord's. And if this is the Lord's, then who or what can be against us? Father, we declare your kingdom come. Your will be done in California, in every county, in every city, in every neighborhood. Father, we thank you for churches to rise. We thank you for pastors to rise. We thank you that your righteousness fills schools, fills middle schools, fills elementary schools, fills colleges. Father, we thank you for the wicked agenda of CRT and rights it to be lifted out, to be torn out. And Father, we declare your agenda, your kingdom to come. The Bible reinstated its curriculum. Holy Ghost, that you would do what only you can do. Pour out your spirit like Azusa. Pour out your spirit like the book of Acts. Pour out your spirit in San Diego. And Father, we thank you for Salt Lake City. And y'all better be praying for Salt Lake City because God is about to turn that valley upside down. We thank you for the valley. We thank you for every person. In that state, in that city, we thank you that you are uprooting the Mormon occult. We thank you that your word is the truth and the life. We tear down, rip out every false prophet, every wicked lie in the name of Jesus. We declare all those churches are being transferred from the wealth of the wicked to the righteous in the name of Jesus. Raise up billionaires, raise up millionaires, raise up people that infiltrate every sphere of influence of culture so that your kingdom would come. Your will will be done. And Father, we thank you for the United States of America. One nation, under God, indivisible. We address every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you in this nation. And we confront you, Jezebel. We confront you, idol. We, can, we confront every lie. We tear it out in the name of Jesus. And Father, we declare that your word, just like a seed, would sprout up and would command your blessing upon this nation like it used to be. Father, just like you say with the young people that if we would teach them of the Lord early, they would grow up and not depart from it. We declare just as the nation was founded upon biblical principles, as we've grown old, Father, we will not depart from it. That you would save this nation as we humble ourselves, as we would turn to prayer, as we would repent from our wicked ways. Father, you would heal our land. You would heal our land. You see, there's a prayer life that can extend beyond you. There's a prayer life that can extend beyond your home. There's a prayer life that as things can begin to shift, God's just looking for one man, one woman. But what happens when he finds a few hundred people at Bresci Ranch? What happens when he finds a few hundred people, a few thousand people? What happens when he finds 10,000 people in San Diego and Salt Lake City that say, not on my watch. I will war not with weapons of this earth, not with carnal mind, but I will war with the weapons that heaven has given me. I'm telling you, we're about to see what God is about to do in this city, in this state, and it's because we pray. It's because Pastor Jurgen Leanne said, we're not gonna build a church without God. And I encourage you, don't build a life without him. Don't build a life without him. Galatians 3.3 3 says this, and we're gonna end. Galatians 3.3 3 says, 
this. Paul's talking to the Galatian church, said, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you being made perfect by the flesh? Some of us here today, maybe we've, you know, we got with God and, and, and he saved us and he redeemed us and, and we got our life together and now everything looks pretty good, but there's maybe some areas we've left him out of. And today you're saying, I need to invite him into that place because it's not producing kingdom. If it's not producing kingdom, it's not his best. And this life is too short for you to settle for not his best. And so we're gonna pray here in a moment that God would infiltrate, that you would invite him, because he's not gonna do it on his own. He's a gentleman. Unless you invite him in, it's your will. It's either his will or your will. We get to choose. If everyone could just stand to your feet real quick. I wanna pray for a couple types of people and I'm gonna pray for all of us and hand it back to Pastor Samuel. Uh, you can all bow your heads, close your eyes. I need to do more cardio, obviously. If you're here today and you're saying, I would love to pray like that. I would love to know Jesus like that, but I don't even know him. I don't even have a relationship with him. And today you're saying, well, I'm a lot like you. Six years ago, you didn't know God. Like, I want that relationship with him today. Friend, you can know him. He came and gave his life so that you might have it. You and I were destined for hell. You and I were destined for dysfunction, destruction. But Jesus came, hung on a cross, took all of our sin, became it, and then resurrected three days later so that we would have life and have it abundantly. Friend, I want you to respond today by inviting Jesus to become Savior and Lord of your life. Second group of people is you months, maybe, you know, you grew up with God, maybe you grew up going to church and then you fell away, ran away, walked away, whatever it is, you're not with God anymore. Or maybe you just have never had a relationship with him in the way that I've talked about today. Friend, I wanna challenge you and encourage you, you can come back. God's grace and his mercies are new every single day. So friend, on the count of three, if you're one of those two groups of people, whether you're saying I've never had a relationship and I need one, or maybe number two, and you're saying I actually, I wanna reconnect today, I wanna recommit today, uh, I just want you to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you can just lift your hand wherever you're at. Beautiful, I see your hand here in the middle. Beautiful, I see your hand. Believers, this is a time you can pray because I know that not every single person in this room, beautiful, I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there just one more person? I'm gonna wait 10 more seconds because someone waited 10 seconds for me six years ago. There's one more. Your heart's about to jump out of your chest. You're like, I wish you would just shut up. Brilliant. Beautiful, I see your hand. Beautiful. Beautiful. I see your hand over there. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna pray this prayer together, church, and then I'm gonna pray for you and we're gonna dismiss. Pastor Samuel coming up, but whether you raise your hand, you can put your hands down, whether you raise your hand or whether you didn't raise your hand, but you wanted to, uh, we're all going to pray this prayer together. And this is a prayer to invite Jesus to become King, Lord, and Savior of your life. And I want you to pray with this, all your heart, all your might, all your soul, because whoever believes and confesses with the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we're, let's say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for going to the cross taking my sin and giving me your righteousness. I declare I have your life, which is eternal and which is your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I turn away and leave behind my old life and I step into all that you've called me to. Make me into, and you just say son or daughter, depending on if you're a man or woman. Brilliant. Goes a test. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.